Um, so what really like made me just have to quit listening to This American Life was they did a lot of election coverage in yeah. 2015 and 2016. And that was when I was like a really hardcore This American Life listener. I would listen every week when it came out. And I just like couldn't take it anymore. And then I was like, after the election, I went back thinking like, okay, maybe it's good. And the same lady who I'm sure she's a good reporter and all that, but she has like the weirdest accent. And she was doing a year long study of Jeff Flake for the listener. If you're listening to this, uh, you don't remember was the like Weasley Republican from Arizona who would always sort of glumly say how much he hated Trump, but then vote for all of his legislation. Um, yeah. So it was like a year-long thing about him. Where it was just the worst thing where he was like, oh, I really just don't know what to do. You know, I'm in a tough place. And she'd be like, well, you're in a, you really are, you know, trying to stake out the things to do the right way. It was just like a hagiography of this fucking asshole. And, and that's when I just had to be done with it. It was like that combined with the uh, Trump's America coverage. It was just like, yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah, and honestly, just... you know, my uh, brain has just been rotted by just a progression down, like, you know, the the uh, steps of evolution uh, slide from monkey to man going, uh, you know, in reverse. Uh, that yeah. I probably would have stopped listening anyway. So to actual, like, semi-real uh, media content... After watching Gone Girl, I kept on the Fincher wagon and rewatched uh, The Social Network. Yeah. That movie fucking rules still. I have been meaning to go back. I remember enjoying it, but nothing nothing besides the laptop slamming really, <laughs> really stands out to me. But I, after watching, I think Under the Silver Lake was easily my favorite film I saw last year. And okay. after after that, I, I'm a big Andrew Garfield fan, so yeah. I, I would go back just for him. No, it's the only it's the only Aaron Sorkin project that's like unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. Um, Shit, I forgot it was even an Aaron, Aaron Sorkin project. Yeah, that's sort of what's what's so great about it is that it's it's Aaron Sorkin like through the wood chipper of Darren of uh David Fincher. Yeah. And it it's like it really works because he just Sorkin writes characters who are supposed to be like charmingly assholes, but Fincher directs them to all just be just asshole assholes. <laughs> That's, a um, That's a good way of putting it. So it's it's really it's re- it it totally works, and the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score is bonkers good. I think when I still drank, I found that, and this was as recently as six months six or so months ago. I would sometimes find myself just like fucked up at the computer, like listening to Nine Inch Nails on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a. I um, <laughs> make it make it stoned instead of drunk, and that sounds like a great night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I was never a fan, never a fan of them. I mean, I mean, I never even disliked it. I just, it just never. Uh, was a thing to do to uh, sit down and listen to. But yeah, Trent Rezo soundtracks, uh, I should use those to bring me back to becoming a late-in-life Nine Inch Nails fan. I was, I was just listening to uh, Downward Spiral today. Those, uh, they have three or four great records. I'd say that Pretty Hate Machine, uh, Downward Spiral, and 
the third one, whose name I forget, are all pretty fucking good. After that, it's pretty hit or miss. Once they started to become more of a rock band and less of a just like one man Trent Reznor depressive computer party. Um, Where is Head Like a Hole in in that? Head Like Head Like a Hole is the first song on the first record. Okay, yeah, it was it was really odd to see. I don't know if you saw the Black Mirror episode where they. I have not watched that one. Yeah, they redo. Uh, they kind of do a poppy, uh, sold out version of Head Like a Hole, and it mm-hmm. was it was that that got me again drunk, <laughs> <laughs> watching YouTube, listening to Head Like a Hole alone, uh, just living living my best life, just the best life I could possibly. Uh, be so living. Um, so I, I just this is just a quick digression. Um, that would be for me. So I, I assume it's like the like the Black Mirror, you know, moment is that like this completely fucked up thing of like a pop version of this incredibly dark industrial song. Um, I had a real life moment like that once, where I saw on this random like worst covers ever list. A, it was a Hillary Duff cover of The Who's My Generation. And of course, the famous line in that song is, I hope I die before I get old. But in the Hillary Duff version, they just change it to, I hope I don't die before I get old. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that I actually, I heard someone quote that in an essay before. And, you know, I thought it was fiction. It's the kind of thing <laughs> yeah. you think made up uh yeah like that's how i came across that fact but it's it's incredible it's, i wouldn't i wouldn't want it any other way honestly. it's a real just like like shiny moment for me like listening to that <laughs> and being like what the fuck is going on here yeah, a, a wet a wet shiny moment real, uh, real like uh uncanny valley type shit um so ben what's black and white and red all over <laughs> Uh, I always remember the newspaper version, but Penguin with a Sunburn works No, the, too. An- the answer is a nun with a spear in her face. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's that that one is it's close to Dead Baby, but I think it's so uh, it's so out of left field that it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, this is the You Lost Me podcast. Uh, my name's Ben. That's Spencer. I've watched the show. He hasn't. And now we're going through episode by episode, and we are on season one, episode 14, called Special. And it's our first Michael and Walt episode. So give me your two cents. You introduced this to me as we are, you know, jokingly as enjoy the MRA. The lost lost MRA backstory. Yes, enjoy the lost MRA backstory. This is a weird one. I got to say, I love this one uh, probably for some of the you know, reveals and connections made. And I think, you know, I noticed I had crossed the Rubicon of like, I would watch this if we stopped. So. Okay. Uh, Yeah. We're not, we're not going to stop, but we're going to keep going. We'll never stop. I'm I'm having so much fun watching lost again and actually having someone to talk about it with. So Charlie's looking uh, for Claire's luggage. Uh, Can't find it. Mike was looking for Walt. You you know immediately where Walt is, right? He's got it. You you know he's with Locke. Yes, most likely with Locke uh, doing knife stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of of the of the Locke Walt dynamic? Because it's interesting. So the last time we saw Locke and Walt together um, was before 
um, we'd seen Locke sort of go to the dark side. So does do you, does your new view on Locke influence the way you feel about him hanging out with the, the 10-year-old? Not so much. I don't, you know, I don't think of Locke as entirely 100% no. a cynical manipulator, right? Absolutely not. He, there's there's no one on this show that's you know just black or white. Everyone yeah, is, yeah. is in the is in the gray there. But if you look at uh, if you look back, you know, I suppose there could be a reason that uh, them playing backgammon and that was like the first philosophizing he really did. You know, mm-hmm. it was him trying trying out this new persona, and of course, you know. Uh, who better to try it out on than a ten-year-old who is not going to immediately like think yep. you're you're a weirdo? And uh, he so said, no. "There's the line there where he says, do you want to know a secret?'" And later on, uh, Walt says to Michael, uh, "Mr. Locke says a miracle happened to him." So I think we're supposed to think that possibly, you know, Locke told Walt that he used to be in a wheelchair. Oh, okay. This is this is uh, new to me. Did I just miss that line, Mister? I think you may have this, happened to him? Yeah, this was a while ago. It was probably okay. in like the third or fourth episode. We probably we probably forgot to talk about it. But yeah, so I think that we don't know for sure. But and I don't just having watched the show. I don't think we ever really know for sure. But I think we're supposed to assume that Walt knows that Locke was in a wheelchair before he arrived. Interesting. So I mean, it could be it could be that. Uh... By the end of the episode, or even before this, uh, maybe Locke had a sense for what uh, Walt could do and what yeah. he's capable of. You know, if anything, if there's anything cynical about it, it seems to be a way to, you know, Locke likes to force confrontations. Mm-hmm. One, one almost gets the sense that these continuing confrontations with Michael Locke would want to push him to get to the point where he trusts uh, his son, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's something there. So Locke's, you know, coaching Michael, or coaching Walt, I should say, in knife throwing, and he just fucking rams that knife into the, the knot in the tree while Boone yeah. just sort of stands there. Is this the scene where uh, Boone, Boone kind of... Uh, Boone attacks Michael. Yeah, six himself on Michael. But I guess it was pretty clearly telegraphed that that uh, Boone was pretty much directly under Locke's sway. Yeah. Uh, by the end of uh, last the last episode, episode, yeah. You know, one early example of a character slotted into a role that they 100% didn't embody early in the show. Yeah. That's one thing I do like about Lost is that the character development is pretty gradual. And mm-hmm. so you do sort of see people growing into things, but then look back and realize like, wow, that's not how I thought about them at all. You know, 10 episodes ago. Yeah. So I, I do, I do like the way they do that. It, and we get that, uh, you know, Michael says, what are you, his attack dog? Uh, that line seems uh, to kind of sum up exactly exactly what he is and kind of how he, how he operates in this moment. Uh, Locke closes out the scene by saying, as long as we're out here, I think Walt should be able to realize his potential, which, yep. uh, yeah, that is, you know, Locke's kind of whole project. So then uh, we see Said and Shannon talking with Jack about the maps. And Shannon has her little, except for the fish song line, sort of a uh, little flirty with Saeed there. 
Um, and then uh, they show the the triangle, and uh, Saeed thinks it might be something they should try to find. But then Michael comes up and wants to build a raft. Had you thought at all about like why no one had thought about possible ways to get off the island? No, it, it, it was funny to be reminded of it. It's almost like, hey, ABC, here's your castaway show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here it is for for a minute, and uh, everybody writes it off as you know, as stupid as it sounds. Uh, Michael and Walt scavenge for uh, things from the wreckage, and let's um, let's actually stick with the Michael and Walt stuff, and then we'll come back to the Kate and Charlie. Yeah, situation because that's that stuff's fun. Well, the. Um, the the idea, Michael's whole like uh, push to build a raft, um, it's coming from this impulse of he can't grow up here. My my son can't grow up in this place, and that conflict kind of you know is brought to the fore by seeing him uh, chuck a knife into a into a tree. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, uh, Walt comes up with an excuse to go get some water. Goes tries to talk to Locke. Uh, hold on, real quick. Uh, them talking about uh, the triangle. Um, yeah. Remind me what they take note of. How Syed Saeed has has found this triangle when he puts the three maps together. Thinks it may be where the transmitter is. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Um, but he's not really sure, like where that is on the island. So then we get. But I think it's a pretty pretty fun scene with Michael and and Locke, where Michael uh, threatens to kill Locke in a pretty public way. Yeah, pretty pretty hard. Pretty harsh. He uh, def- definitely would not be able to. No. Yeah, that, I do not think so. Kind of as you know, absurd as the raft idea. What was and what was Michael's last like dumbass like? Well, I'm gonna go do it. Uh, plan. <laughs> it was. Like, uh, it was his um, the second party to search for Claire and Charlie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, 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 I will warn you. Uh, the raft is not going away. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I did not. I yeah. It it was not mentioned later in the episode, but I guess you know there was a lot going on. So uh, then Michael throws the comic book into the fire. We see it burning up a polar bear. <gasps> that was the moment where I was, I, I, I feel like hooked. Pol- the part, the part of my brain that uh, read all of Stephen King when I was young, the part of my brain that needs to, uh, even if I don't particularly care for everything about what's going on, it's like, all right, I need to, I need to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I definitely, I don't know. It's like, I can't, I can't see. There's something about a kid's toy or a kid's like possession uh, getting burnt or broken. Burnt in this case. Man, that it just really hits me. There's some uh, kind of, yeah, this is, this should go on my unresolved trauma podcast. No, it I is, have. Isn't just like the saddest thing you can picture in your mind is a kid with like two scoops of ice cream on a cone and they <laughs> fall off and the kids yeah. cry. Paige always says it's when you see like a stuffed animal left on the street because you know that somewhere a kid is just dying because he lost his, his stuffed animal. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it's seeing all of the pain of loss over something so small, but with none of the coping skills. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if you don't have a specific memory of it, you have like a an emotional memory of it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, burns the comic book. He's pissed. Uh. Eventually, Hurley tells Michael that Walt is gone. He immediately goes to Locke. Locke says he doesn't know where he is, and then they're going to start searching for him. All right, so let's let's do let's do the flashback. Uh, did was I was I not right that it's like kind of lost MRA MRA episode? We never saw the system actively working against a father. Uh, except for the invocation of like, that's true. I have a job. Who are, who's a judge gonna side with? I was uh, thinking. I was thinking more in just the like this bitch woman. Make yeah, sure that sure. this good man doesn't ever get to see his son. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I the fact the fact that he was an artist, a painter, uh, and a, a failed painter, and she. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, you know, about to go into corporate law, and he was talking so openly about like both me and Walt are gonna are gonna be living living easy on easy <laughs> yeah. because of you, and also also because the the lengths she goes to cut him out are so kind of extreme and a little bit enigmatic. Like, yeah, not, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves a, a bit, but she doesn't show. Uh, Walt, any of the letters that Michael sends. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, I don't really feel like, I never was struck by, it's like, oh, a good man's not allowed to be in the picture. It's just like, man, she, she must have had pretty good reasons, you know, that, that made sense to her to be able to, like, you know, act so extremely this way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, it definitely has the form of, uh, proto MRA storyline. Yeah. To actually talk about what happens, they're buying the crib, and like you said, he's just openly like, "You're gonna be paying for everything, babe." <laughs> um, and then uh, it jumps ahead a little bit, and I oh, I do want to comment on uh Michael's hat. I felt like the costumers her were like, "What would a black guy in the mid '90s wear? A ridiculous hat, of course." Yeah, weird scenes. Uh. There's this interesting kind of inclusion when when Michael says, it's not that you think marriage is too prosaic, you just don't, you just want him to have your last name. Yeah. Uh, you know, one can imagine that, like, it's like, okay, how much of a couple are they really according to her? Like, yeah. you know, it's, she, she has serious reservations at this point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. And then it's not even a year later. And he, she is saying that she's going go to go to Amsterdam uh, with Walt and uh, Michael's not coming with them. And like you said, this is sort of where he, she says, like, the system is stacked against you. You're never going to, like, you're never going to win. Um, and it becomes clear that uh, Susan and Walt are going to be leaving. And let's skip right ahead to that uh, that scene where he's uh, he learns about the new man over the phone on the street. Yep. yep. That was holy shit. I'm getting my son back, and then yeah, steps into the street. And <laughs> Just bam. Like, bam. Yeah, that was a yeah. that was an effective scene. That was. A, That's a really it's a it's a really great scene. Yeah. 
Um, and then he wakes up and he's in a cast and he's drawing something for Walt and Susan shows up and says she wants him to sign away his parental rights because she and Brian are moving to Italy. Yeah. It's, it's I, a lot, right? Like It is a lot. She, yeah, she's being pretty incredibly fucked up here. In in this moment, it's just clear he has like medical bills he can't pay hanging over him. Yep. She's she's got him there. I mean, what what other choice does he have, honestly? So we don't see him do it, but we're, you know, to assume he does. And this is uh, one of the reasons this episode's kind of weird is that for the most part, this is a Michael episode, but there's this one scene that's from Walt's perspective. Yeah. In, in the flashback. So that's kind of strange. Um but so Walt's trying to talk to Brian and he's talking about this bird and then a fucking bird just <laughs> flies into the window. Yeah, yeah. Listen to me. Um and that that was the point. That was the moment where, you know, seeing the polar bear in the comic book, it's like okay, it, it's clear that uh something on the island uh manifested the polar bear uh for that reason. And mm-hmm. then at that point it's like, oh, I'm sure it, yeah, duh. It was Walt's like Walt had found that comic book, you know? Yep. Uh that yeah, that what a moment. That was yeah. uh that was very fun. Yeah. Of course. Uh also she finds out she's dying. Yeah. Uh but not after um you know, delivering this normal ass line, uh I'm a lawyer, baby. I can tell when kids are stalling. Uh, <laughs> say, say, she says it to her husband, excuse me. It's just like Yep, every lawyer. Constantly referencing the fact that they're a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Courtroom cross-examination as if that's, uh, you know, something any lawyer, like, <laughs> actually does. Really does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to On the Island here. Um, because as we see that Walt sort of conjured this bird, we now see that him with the polar bear and um while uh first off i mean michael and Locke find the collar first and yeah. then they sort of go out they sort of follow that um and polar bear has walt hiding and i really feel like he could have gotten through that bamboo pretty fucking quickly if he wanted to oh the polar bear yeah <laughs> yeah but how badly did the polar bear really want to right yeah it's that's, the, like, that's the question yeah it's like if if walt um uh, if walt prompts these animal encounters if they are there which they seem to be to resolve some conflict for him then like you don't really want the polar bear to to kill you in that moment you want it to prompt the kind of situation that is going to uh kind of let your dad be a hero yeah and uh resolve uh your dad's tension with Locke. Uh, yeah which is what happens you know um, I gotta. I this is this is a question I didn't have time to look up. Do we know where Vincent the dog was during the first polar bear encounter? Is Vincent the dog in, accounted for in that moment? No, I believe he was still missing. Actually, oh, yeah. okay, all right. But that polar bear was dead. That was yes. shot dead. Okay, was shot dead. So. Uh, I don't know, man. Vincent could be Vincent could be an unkillable shape shifting <laughs> animal. Be. It's possible. I, I'm not even like I'm not even really saying that as a 
joke. I mean, <laughs> I Vincent would... leaves, polar bear uh, comes back. And I almost expected when Claire burst in in the end, I was just like half expecting or hoping, honestly, it's like, we're going to see Vincent wander in and he is going to have knife wounds where they stabbed the polar bear. Well, all I'll say is I would keep an open mind about all possibilities in this show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, fun, fun shit with Walt, fun shit with Walt, uh, having, uh, one, you know, fire starter, uh, by Stephen King comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's almost like, uh, between that and, the Claire prophecy coming together on the island. I think what what Lost became to me is, you know, I've never read the Dark Tower series. I know it expands upon some idea of his kind of like multiverse, mm-hmm. his connected uh, Stephen King extended universe. And there's also you get you get places like Derry uh, for him, which are where multiple I believe multiple books take place, not just it and where different uh, books reference each other and converge. And it's almost like my idea of Lost now is the island is almost like a metaphysical hub space for Stephen King-esque stories, right? Yeah, I can see where you're coming from that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure, like, their hope is that uh, things like Walt and Claire, like, the separate kind of mythos elements that they both have will interact and come together. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. Uh, that, that's kind of the way I think of it. That's, I think that's not a, not a bad way to think about it. Um, so, uh, the last two parts with the Michael Walt thing after they rescue Walt is... Uh, in the flashback, Michael goes and gets Walt. He realizes Susan never gave him his letters and has them in the box. Um, that's the actually in the last episode, Michael found that box. Yeah. Um, it was just like, you know, a small little scene to introduce this. Um, and so before uh, that, we're we're skipping over a fun a fun scene where what is uh Michael's adoptive father's name? Uh Brian. Yeah, oh Brian. yeah, the scene where Brian comes and tells Brian Walt. visits, and I gotta say, I think Brian has surpassed uh, Claire's like fuckboy. Uh, oh yeah, episode as just like the shittiest, probably <laughs> the shittiest father, like <laughs> on par with Jacks in the series. Just like he basically, he you know, it seems has essentially raised this kid from birth. Yeah, and, from one year old, basically. Yeah, not, and nine years later, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a wreck right now. I just lost a woman I loved. I just I just can't be his father. It's just yeah. like imagining a dude uh, doing that after nearly a decade. It's Yeah, it's remarkable. It's, yeah. it's very funny uh, imagining a dude that is that fucked up. Yep. But, um, of course, I, you know, he gives, he gives the reason... Uh, which fucked is up the shit first... happens when Walt's around. Yeah, fucked up shit happens when, when Walter Walt's around, but you know, it's probably not so fucked up that it would make you give away again your basically son your of, kid of eight or nine years. But yeah, yeah. He, um, he he's king fuckboy of the show now. Pretty much, well, I, there might be some more to come. I'd say. 
Okay. All right. Um, Temporarily. So, anyway, so when Michael goes to get him, he gets the letters. Uh, Walt has a great line, I'm not going anywhere with you. (laughs) Um, We get some good Vincent action. He's a heckin' good doggo. Um, And then on the island, uh, Michael and Walt bond a little more when he gives him the... uh, Give him the letters, and it's, it's a nice little thing. Yeah, yeah. Kate's helping Charlie. Goes and f- she figures out that Sawyer probably has the diary. I, I'm not sure why Sawyer would take the diary. He simply seems to take. I mean, I'm not sure why he would have the diary, but not like everything else from her bag. Like he only yeah. took the diary. I, I, you know, I honestly, I liked, I liked this little like pro forma, like thirty second, like grab something from Sawyer side quest. Yeah, it was like, fun. E- even below uh, side quest ranking in your quest journal, it's just a task. It's at this point, you know Sawyer like has the shit because he squirrels shit. Yeah. And I, I just love that, like, you know, we're, we've gotten to this point of near acceptance where he hardly really puts up a fight anymore. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> you know, he's got it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I love the uh, little fight between Sawyer and Charlie where Charlie just punches him right in the knife wound. Yeah. (laughs) And and then, you know, Sawyer slugs him back. Yeah, that was great. He says, uh, Charlie says, I wrote this down. I, I, at first I thought I almost heard you hit like a punk, but (laughs) I listened back again. I think it's you hit like a ponce. Yeah, yeah. I'd heard this, you know. I it was knocking around and probably would have like come out of me if I had tried to do like a soccer hooligan impression. But like, (laughs) I never knew what Ponce meant. Apparently, it's it's a kept man. Interesting. I honestly figured it was a gay slur. I looked it up, and you know, you know, it's probably both. Honestly, so. Uh, then they get the diary. I love, love that little scene of Charlie going back and forth between reading it or not reading it. Such good comic physical acting by Dominic Monaghan. Yeah, I, I, I laughed out loud in that moment. Like, just seeing those lines on paper, like, dear diary, I like Charlie. He really centers me, even in this terrible place. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, holy shit. That was, uh, that was funny. Yeah, all good stuff. Um, and then uh, Charlie go. Charlie uh, tells him about the dream in the Black Rock. Saeed mentions that there was something about the Black Rock in the French woman's diaries, and Charlie wants to go out and try to find it right now, but Jack says, we're going to wait. We're not going to go off into the night. And then to end the episode, uh, Locke and Boone are looking for Vincent, but they don't find Vincent. They find Claire. Did you think it was going to be Claire, or did, were you really just hoping for the Vincent with bloody paws? Uh, yeah, I was. I was hoping for Vincent with uh, knife wounds to uh, suggest that Vincent again was transformed by Walt into the uh, the polar bear that he needed to enact his like psychodrama of being saved by his two father figures on the island. Uh, but alas, it's Claire. Alas, it's Claire. I didn't. Uh, check again. Did she have a visible? Um, is she visibly pregnant still? Is she still pregnant yeah. in the shot? She is still pregnant. Okay. All right. Baby's still with her. Uh, Baby's still with her as far as we know. 
Man, you're you're uh you're kind of like just off the cuff uh Jack impression oh, last yeah. episode. I just thought it was so funny listening back that it's like when 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 it's not a Jack episode and he only gets like one little line, like they're just dreams, Charlie. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I hear it I hear it I can't not hear you doing Jack. And it's <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like uh there, there's such a stark contrast to episodes where he's the lead and episodes where he's not. Yeah, he sort uh, of and, because because he is so boring. Like when he's not, when he doesn't have some really specific trauma or or like stress around him, he kind of just functions as bad as like you know, uh, like furniture on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, he's great furniture. I love him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Claire's back. So Claire's back, and I think we will probably. Uh, be hearing more about that pretty soon. Yeah, I would guess. Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't expect to get her back. I thought that maybe that would be the you know action and uh, of the entire season. Trying yeah. to. Well, uh, next week we'll be talking about the episode Homecoming. It's a Charlie centric episode. Uh, this one's pretty good. I think I think you'll like this one. It's funny, there was a throwing knife in my last game, and okay. watching throwing knife YouTube uh, to, like, get the mechanics of doing that in virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, the best thing about throwing knife YouTube is the guys. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, you can only imagine, like, these skinny, like, juggalo-looking dudes who are just, like in a public park like you can just see like people walking around like you know going on their morning stroll in the background as he's like demonstrating proper technique throwing knives into a tree it's just it's just a gold mine it, it got oh, to yeah. the point yeah i i can like i'm sure that like i could like recognize like oh i went to high school with someone exactly like that yes we went to high school with someone exactly like that's yeah. funny the big thing I really wanted to bring up was <laughs> how, funny, how funny knife guys are. All right. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs>